Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Sometimes it's just good to praise God, isn't it? It's good just to lift up His name, His goodness, His power. There's nothing like it. Today we all have reason to give praise and thanks to God. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, you have the most reason to give praise and thanks to him because we've been saved, set free. We know what our lives used to look like and now what they do look like. And I don't know about you, but there are times when life, I read the news, I I see what's on television, I see the things that are happening all around me, and I don't have a lot of reason to be excited about any of that. But when I think about the Lord, when I think of what he's done for me, when I think about his goodness, there's nothing we can really do but praise him, right? That's what we're going to talk about today in God's Word. We're in a series of messages entitled Rebuilding Hope. And we have been walking through the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is written, it's a story about a man named Nehemiah. And it accounts his journey from being a cupbearer to a king to being one that God used to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem is a beautiful place if you've never been there before. Um, I hope that at some point in your life you could take a trip to Israel and see that with your own eyes. this was a special place that God had always set apart for his people. And there are times in the history of the people of God that uh, this place fell into ruin. It was uh, sieged and it was ransacked by foreign armies. And it was a place uh, that was a shame to the people around them because of how bad the situation was. And so we, uh, as we've gone through Nehemiah, we've seen... uh, just how bad it was. We see the walls were so bad that at one point they were trying to walk around them when Nehemiah went in chapter 2 and he was looking to see how the rebuilding would take place. And there were certain portions he could simply not even pass by because the walls were that broken down. And the people that lived there, they were broken down as well. Their lives were uh, hopeless. They didn't know if it could ever be rebuilt. Their dreams were crashed to the ground and burnt with fire just like the gates. And so we saw a hopeless people, a hopeless situation, but I'm so thankful today and I praise God that he's a God of hope. He's a God that gives a hope and a future and he had a beautiful future for them. And today, no matter what you've walked in here with, I want you to know God has an amazing future for you as well, but he is at the center of it. And if you'll let him be at the center of it, then man, what he can do through the lives of people who submit themselves holy for his purposes. Today we're going to understand um, a great celebration that takes place. In Nehemiah chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, you can open there. Nehemiah chapter 12, we have seen uh, through this story that there has been uh, great sorrow and great grief, great weeping and great praying. We have seen uh, how Nehemiah saw the hopelessness and it turned him to the Lord. We saw how when the people put their hands to the work that God did a great miracle. He used them. He used them to unite together to hear the vision and to put their hands to the good work of building the wall. We saw great opposition that came from the enemies of God who came against the work time and again. And it teaches us, and I hope that you understand it, when you attempt to do great things for God, you will face great resistance from his enemy. You will receive great resistance from the one who the Bible says prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. When you try to do great things for God, you will be met with great resistance. Some of you today, 
a week ago, you felt an excitement and a joy that you have not felt in some time. Did anyone else get excited and blessed by what we did last week through service for service, what you were able to put your hands to? I want you to know something. That wasn't just a work of our own flesh or our own strength. God did a work through us beyond what you could have ever done, beyond what we could have ever planned. God worked in hearts and in lives, and we are so thankful for that. We weren't out there doing our work or doing evangelist work. We were doing the work of the kingdom, the work that God had called us to. And whenever you attempt something great for God, the enemy will greatly come against that. And so I am sure that there are some of you today that have had a week that you are wondering, why was my week so crummy? Why was the last seven days so terrible? Why was I met with trial after trial, either leading up to that day or after that day? Because you attempted something great for God. You put your hands to the work that God had called you to. And I want you to know that there is a very real struggle, a very real tension. And today, um, as we've seen the great struggle in Nehemiah, we've seen the great work the people have done. We saw the great distress and grief that was in the heart of the people when the walls were torn down. There was a great success when the wall was built in 52 days. And accompanying that great success was a great revival because the hearts of the people were coming back to God. And after that took place, there was a great celebration. And the great celebration was to lift up the Lord and to magnify what he had done. And so today we're going to take a look at this celebration that takes place in Nehemiah. And we need to understand that celebration is something that God has ordained. And today we need to realize that we have reason to be, th- to be thankful. We have reason to give praise to God. We have reason as the people of God to celebrate when God moves. And not only is it something that God uh, encourages, it's something that he delights in. And today I want you to know, no matter what life has dealt you, no matter what you are walking through, you have reason to give thanks to God. You have reason to praise him. As we get ready to to take a look deeper into what's happening in chapter 12, I want to read to you from Psalm 147. And Psalm 147 is believed to be a psalm that was penned and written for this very moment in time. And so this, everything we read in God's word, there is a time that it was originally written in, and this psalm is believed by scholars to be in the timing of Nehemiah chapter 12. And as I read, I want you to think through that lens, through what you've been reading in God's word through Nehemiah, but also I want you to think about your own life because I want you to know that this psalm, this song was lifted out of circumstances, This wasn't just speaking of God in generalities, but speaking about what he has done specifically. And I hope that God will give you a song in your heart, even by the time you leave today, where you'll be able to give him praise for what he's done in your life and in your story. You don't have to sing along with Chris Tomlin or Hillsong or anyone else. God can put a song in your hearts that praises him for the specific ways that he's worked in your life. And so listen with me here. It says, praise the Lord. And please participate as much as you love. Praise the Lord for he is good. Sing praises to our God. It is pleasant and praise is becoming. The Lord builds up Jerusalem and he gathers the outcasts of Israel and he heals the brokenhearted. Someone say amen. And he binds up their wounds and he counts the numbers of the stars and he gives name to all of them. Great is our Lord, abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. The Lord supports the afflicted and he brings down the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises to our God on the lyre. 
who covers the heavens with clouds, who provides rain to the earth, who makes the grass to grow on the mountains, who gives grass uh, to the beasts of the field for food, the young ravens which cry. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of man. The Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait on his loving kindness. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your sons within you. He has made peace with your borders. He satisfies you with the finest wheat. He sends forth his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He gives frost like ashes and ice like fragments. Who can stand before his cold? He sends forth his word and he melts them. And he causes the wind to blow and the waters to flow. He declares his words to Jacob, his statutes and his, his ordinance to Israel. And he has not dealt thus with any nation. And is, as for his ordinances, they have not been known to them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is so good. And as you have been on this journey through God's word, can you hear, can you hear the specific ways that they're praising God? He's the one who set the bars on the gates. He's the one who has restored our borders. He's the one who's given us food deed. He's the one who sent his word to melt the coldness of our hearts. They're singing songs of thanksgiving about all the great things he has done. And I want you to know today there is significance in celebrating the good things that God has done in your life. God doesn't just encourage it. He delights in it. He encourages his people to sing praises to his name. Do you know why? It's not because God is so full of himself that he wants to hear how great he is all the time. We need it more than he does to be reminded of his goodness, to give him the glory. And so I want to take a look with you at at this passage of scripture. And and as we look at it, we're going to see the significance of celebration. And as we look at that, there are three ways that it is very significant to God, to us, and to the world around us. And so let's take a look in Nehemiah chapter 12. And we're going to be right there in verse 27. Leading up to this point in time, Nehemiah um, has called the people together. They have put their hands to the work. 52 days and the wall was built. A lot of trouble, a lot of uh, resistance came from the enemies, but God overcame them and the people overcame them through faith and by keeping their eyes on the Lord. After that, after the walls are rebuilt, the real work began because there were hearts that were still broken. There were people that were still hopeless and God's word came out and it melted the hearts of people that were hard to him and they turned their lives over and there was great revival in the hearts of people as they returned to the Lord. And after that, Nehemiah then said, now it's time for us to repopulate the city. And they went around and they decided who would come back. And now that they were back, it was time for them to dedicate everything that God had done back to the Lord and celebrate. So look in, with me in uh, chapter 12, verse 27. It says, Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites from all the places to bring them to Jerusalem so that they might celebrate the dedication with gladness and hymns of thanksgiving, with songs and accompaniment of cymbals, harps, and lyres. So Nehemiah is preparing for this great celebration. Who does he call upon? The Levites, the ministers, those that would come from the tribe of Levi who ultimately would serve as those that would be priests and those that would help the people to worship the Lord. They were those that pointed everyone's attention back 
to God, which is so important. Because I'll tell you what, whenever it comes to the glory of what happens in these moments when God does a miracle, we can't handle that on our own. We can't hold on to that at all. It corrupts us. If we would allow um, God to do great things through our lives and then we would try to take the credit for us, it would change us in a bad way. And so it's very important. The very first thing we realize about the significance of celebration in this time is it gives God the glory. It gives God all the glory. And this is the first thing that you need to realize about that. God receives the glory whenever we celebrate in this way. And God is the one who has done all of these things. Nehemiah did not get into a room with a sketch pad and draw up these schemes for a wall and say, I have this brilliant idea that I'm going to go and I'm going to talk the king into this and I'm going to go and gather all the wood. All that he did was he prayed every single time. Do you know what that shows you? He was continually reliant upon God to do everything through him. In fact, he would pray before he would even talk when the king asked him. The king gave him a blank check for what he wanted and he said, I stopped and I prayed. When resistance came against him, he did not turn to his own understanding. He acknowledged the Lord again. God had done everything. And you know what that means? God gets all the glory for what he's accomplished. We have seen a lot of planning go into what we took part in last week. That was nearly a year's worth of planning of people coming together of some great and gifted uh, minds. But I want to tell you, every person, or the person was involved for a few hours of volunteering to people that have spent weeks and months in preparations, they will all tell you the same thing. It wasn't about them. It was about the Lord and what he accomplished through every person that participated in the services that happened last Sunday morning through the God-sized goal that we took part in. And church, it's so important that in moments like that, we give God the glory for what he's done. Whenever you see that Evangel Church has been a missions-giving church, God gets the glory. God has been the one to move on every heart to do what we've done. And so we do everything because of the Lord, and he gets the glory for what he has accomplished. So the people have come together. And they said, it's time for a great celebration. And we're going to sing songs. And we're not going to sing songs about Nehemiah. We're not going to sing songs about any of the individuals. We're going to sing songs about the Lord and what he has done. Sometimes whenever you watch a sporting event, you will see whenever a game uh, is won in the last moment and that, uh, that athlete that came through or the coach that came through in the end, what do they do? Sometimes they dump uh, Gatorade on them. That's not too fun. Uh, but after that, what do they do? They lift them up sometimes on their shoulder and they kind of carry them around. Has anyone else ever seen anything like that before? And as they do that, what are they doing? They're lifting them up and saying, yeah, this is the one. Whenever we glorify the Lord, it's like we're all coming together and we're lifting up the name of Jesus and we're holding it up high and we're saying, he's the reason. He's the one who gets all the credit. You know what we love to do? We love to blame God for all the bad and take all the credit for the good, right? No, that's not it. If something bad happens, it's normally on us. The Lord is the one who gets all the glory for what has happened in in these moments. In the world around us, we are so... um, quick to idolize people and to lift people up, just like that. And just like you can imagine, after a great victory, people lift up uh, an individual. But guess what? When you look at the news, when you look on social media, when you look on television, that's all the world is about, is looking for who's the next person we're going to lift up and put on a pedestal so that everyone can look at them and want to be them and want to emulate them and feel that they're everything. It can happen so quickly with sports and and professional athletes and you find children that are just idolizing um, these professional athletes and many of them are incredibly gifted but there's nothing more 
amazing than when a professional athlete or someone who people are looking at decides, I don't want the attention, I don't want the glory, and they point it back to the Lord. Isn't that often moving? Whenever you see someone, you'd say, wow, so many people are looking to you, and all you want to do is point them back to God. Many will get criticized for those kinds of things, but it honors the heart of God. It honors his heart. Today, in just a little while, you're going to be watching some football games, many of you. And uh, I think about it, think about a great rivalry like the Cowboys against the uh, Giants. I think that's next week. Someone correct me, right? Uh, They'll be playing soon. You can see teams that are so fierce in competition. You could see all the, 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 the just ferociousness in the moment and how they come and they battle it out. And, and you'll see, you know, I had to put a picture of uh, Tony Romo getting sacked by the Giants uh, on the next page so that all my Giants fans will still support me for the rest of the, 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 <laughs> the, the message. Sorry for the few of you. I know some, some Cowboys fans as well. Um, I had a picture of Witten stiff-arming a guy, but I took it out. Uh, but at the end of, at, at the end of, of every game. It started in 1990, something started to take place. On the 50-yard line, you would see all these players coming. Reporters are going everywhere and they're trying to pull away players and you see some of them, they don't even go to the reporters, they go straight here. And people didn't know what it was about for a while. They were wondering why are they all kneeling down? Someone get injured during the game? Is there, you know, is there something, do they know each other? Do they go to school together? And they started to find out what it was about. And they say, come take a knee and meet me at the 50-yard line. And what you will see in that moment at every game, at every professional football game that I've been to, I've seen this at the end of the game, that players from across areas, doesn't matter how fierce the competition was in the moment, many of them will come together, and it's normally a small group of them, and they unite together. Sometimes they'll even link arms. They'll kneel down on one knee, and what they're doing in that moment is they're giving God the glory for the game, for protecting their lives, for being near to them. And these are normally believers um, who love the Lord and want to acknowledge the Lord in the midst of what has happened. And so when they do that, it's not something that's publicized, not something you normally see during the post-game interview. Sometimes they kind of get a catch a shot of it, but they turn away quickly. It's not something they want any of the credit for. In that moment, the people that many people are wearing around their names on their back and looking to them with everything, all they want to do is they want to acknowledge the Lord and what he's done. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful reminder. Are there moments in your life that you go and you realize it is time for me just to go and kneel and give God the glory for what's happening in my life? To just thank him for his goodness, to thank him for his mercy, to thank him for his protection. Don't take it for granted. Don't live with a spirit of entitlement that you feel that you have earned and have the right to everything you have been blessed with. I want to tell you, you have received the blessing of God in your life. And it's something that we have to have a spirit of thankfulness and thanksgiving in our hearts. God calls us to it. It's a key part of our worship is giving praise to God, giving thanks to God for what he has done. And when we do that, he receives the glory in those moments. One of our staff members told a, a powerful story this week during our staff devotional time about how they were driving, they were pulling out of a driveway. And as they were doing that, they looked both ways and it was on a busy road, it was actually right here on Terrell Road. And it wasn't in our driveway, it was in a different one and cars are coming and going and looking for just a piece, uh, a break in the traffic to pull out. Normally you, you shoot out there pretty quickly. And he looked one way and then he looked the other way and he had all clear And right as he was looking this way, he didn't know, but someone walked right out and was standing in front of his car. And he was ready to slam on his gas to shoot out. 
If that would have happened, that person would have been killed instantly. And instead, stopped himself. And in that moment, had ideas to give maybe some choice words to the person that walked in front of him, wanted to yell, didn't know what to do. But in that moment, they shared that the Holy Spirit came over them and all they could do for the next few hours was praise God, was just thank the Lord and began to praise God for this person's life who had been spared. He didn't even know, and they didn't even know that their life was almost ended. But praise God for the way he protected them. What a reminder that God has protected us in so many ways, has kept us from so many things. You won't even know on this side of eternity, right? You won't even realize it. Thanked him for that. Thanked him for his, his own protection. My family's life would have been changed forever. Thank you, Lord, for your protection in that moment. Thank you. And it just set off a series of time where just praising the Lord to, alone and with their family, just remembering God. That's powerful when that happens. When we acknowledge his goodness, when we acknowledge his mercy, when we acknowledge what he has done, it lifts the Lord up. But you know what it also does? It's, it pushes the enemy away. I truly believe it does. And you can hear that kind of say, you know, hey, say this, shame the devil, you know. Um, and, and Martin Luther the, of the Reformation, if you study some church, he was actually really into shaming the devil. He would normally, in preaching, start, you know, cursing at the devil and yelling at him from the pulpit and just coming against him. And I'll tell you what, at times as, as the people of God, we need to stand confidently against the enemy we don't need to be afraid of him. We don't need to be scared of his, we don't need to be intimidated by him. Instead, we can stand confidently as God's people. And when we're glorifying the Lord, it's like parading it in front of the enemy who has been defeated, reminding him that he has been defeated, reminding him he has no hold on our lives. And there's something beautiful that happens in Nehemiah that we don't even pick up on, uh, and you could so easily miss it here in chapter 12. Because if you go back, to the beginning of, of Nehemiah, when the walls were broken down and the people are there and they're looking at rebuilding it and they're beginning to work, do you remember what these uh, individuals, Samballot and Tobiah, began to say about the walls? They said, the walls are so weak that if a fox jumps on it, then the walls are going to fall down. And they start throwing out these intimidation and it really got into the hearts of the people and they were terrified and they were discouraged and they were ready to give up. We get to the point now that the walls are done and I love what happens here that if you look with me at verse uh, 31 of chapter 27, here's what Nehemiah does. Then I had the leaders of Judah come up on top of the wall, and I appointed two great choirs, first proceeding to the right of the wall towards the refuse gate. He gets two choirs, lifts them up, puts them on top of the wall, and they start marching around the wall, singing and praising God. This is the same wall that the fox was supposed to knock down, that's now supporting choirs of people. Isn't that the way that God works? Everything says, oh, this shouldn't work, this shouldn't be anything. And before long, it's supporting the weight of a massive amount of people singing and praising God. I want you to know that God has told your story for some of you in the very same way. Some of you, you've been told a word. You won't live to see your children graduate. You won't live to see your grandchildren born. And then you're walking them to their first day of school. And then you're at their graduation. <laughs> and then you're walking them down there. You know, and you see time and again that there may have been a word that had been said at one point in time. And I'm sure the enemy would have loved it. That your life should have been over. Your circumstance should have been different. But today you're free. You're alive. Christ has sustained you. 
And it's the opposite of what everyone intended or thought would happen. Those are times that you just have to give praise to God for what he has done as they are marching around the walls. Can you imagine that with me? Can you imagine how many of them thought, oh, this was the wall that they said the fox would knock down. Feels pretty good to me. Isn't this God we serve a good God? He truly has secured our borders. He truly has put up the bars of the gates. He truly has done a great work. And so we see that it's not only the professional Um, singers that are taking part in this work, but it's many more people as well, that the children and the women and everyone around began to take part. And it teaches us the second part of the significance of celebration. It's a reminder of who God is, but it's also a reminder of who he's called us to be. And so God receives the glory, but in that celebration, the people receive a purpose. And we're reminded of our purpose. We're reminded of who we are and who we are in him and what he has called us to. And it's in moments like this celebration in Nehemiah that the people are reminded again that guess what, the bricks aren't being laid anymore, but you still have a purpose, a purpose to praise God, a purpose to be used by him, a purpose to realize that what God has called you to is so far beyond this single event in time of rebuilding a wall. God now wants to use your life for his glory. Guess what? Church, as we took part in service for service, as you have taken part in something that God has used in a beautiful way, you need to realize this, that it isn't that God had a purpose for you back then. He has a purpose for you. It is in the present, and it's in the continual. God has a purpose for his people. And there's nothing more beautiful than when the people of God realize the purpose that God has for them. And it's my prayer, and it's been my prayer, when we would hit those streets and we would take part in serving our neighbors and serving uh, widows and serving in nursing homes and, and serving people with the love of Christ in our neighborhood, that when we were doing that, that there would be people that are a part of Evangel Church that would begin to allow the light to come on and they would say, God, you have a purpose for me. I'm not called to just come to church for an hour and a half and then go home. I'm called to live a life that you have for me. God has an amazing adventure for each one of us. It's a purpose that he desires for us to live out for him. He wants to bring us into divine appointments that he can use your life, your skills, your talent, uh, your, your resource, whoever you are, and he's uniquely created you to be. He wants to use that for his glory and to point others towards him. And it's been my prayer that there would be some that would realize that and would begin to step out into the purposes of God for their lives. And I'm so thankful that God has already been answering that prayer through the few testimonies that I was able to receive, that God's beginning to show many of you that, man, you have a purpose and God wants to use you and you're ready to shake off complacency, to stand up and to get to work doing the things that God has purposed you in your life. I was so excited to read a testimony of one woman who signed up for the nursing home ministry to serve last week. And as she was there, she had never done it before. She was nervous. By the end of that day, she had made a promise to all the people there that she would be back. And she wrote to us saying that she's now joining the nursing home ministry team and will be a regular part of wanting to get involved there. Isn't that exciting? It's about seeing that, man, I have a purpose beyond this one-time event. The people of God don't believe the lie that you have been saved by Jesus, redeemed by his uh, precious blood, that he has saved you and rescued you from death and despair so that you can come and sit in a pew. That's not it. That isn't what being the church is all about. He hasn't rescued you for a pew. He's rescued you for a purpose, 
Uh, You have not been called to just fill a pew. You're called to fulfill a purpose that he has for you. It's unique to who you are. And if you haven't spent time seeking him for that, to be reminded of that, spend time seeking him and he will reveal it to you and he will use you in that way. And everyone has a purpose and I love seeing that. It doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how young you are, it doesn't matter if you feel you have limitations in your life, God has a plan and can use you. And we have story after story of how he's been doing that, but one of the amazing ones is with our children. If you look at this picture uh, here from Service for Service last week, you could feel the energy in the room as we were together singing and praising God. Wasn't that a special time? As we were just ready, we were ready to go and do what God called us to. Well, all the way up in the corner of the balcony, it would have been right here, you're going to see some different colored shirts. Those are our precious children's workers. Can we hear it for them? And while many of you, families and some of the older children, you hit the streets serving our neighbors and serving others, our children's workers were teaching our children what it meant to have a heart of service. I'm reminded of God's word, train up a child in the way that they will go. When they are old, they will not depart from it. God was instilling in these children's hearts from a very young age what it meant to serve God and serve others with his love. And I love seeing some of these pictures of the children. They're sitting there and they have paint in front of them and they're getting ready and they started to do handprints and glitter and all kinds of stuff is going out. And by the end of it, something beautiful happened because last week I had the privilege and opportunity to stand with Pastor Kerry and a few others as we went to five widows that were meeting for a Bible study and give them cards and potted plants that were decorated by those children. And those children were told, these are going to go to our widows and to some of our shut-ins and some people that need an encouraging word and to know that Jesus loves them and be reminded of that. And you had to see the tears that filled some of the eyes of these precious women in our church as they were able to receive those blessings right there in that moment. And it was our children who realized in the moment that that's what they were doing. They were showing God's love to someone. That sounds like a purpose to me. God had a purpose for them, and he used it to bless someone else. Isn't that exciting? It's amazing. And that's just the beginning. We have those going out to many others to be a blessing to them as well. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It doesn't matter what you feel like your limitations are. I want you to know God's called you, and he has a purpose for you, and he wants you to fulfill that and run after it with everything that you are. Let an event like Service for Service not be a memorial stone. Let it not be um, something that is just a moment in time that you look back to because it is really meant to be a springboard forward. It's meant to be a foundation for where he's taking us. I heard a pastor say this quote uh, at at an event where they were talking about uh, some exciting things going on inside their ministry. And he said this, he said, the celebration of what is now is the foundation for what is next. And what he meant by that was this. What we see God doing right now is not the end in itself. It is just the beginning. It's where he wants to lead us from here. And I believe the same thing as I heard that. I thought in my heart, let service for service not be a memory. Let it be the foundation where God wants to propel us forward to see even greater things happen. More people come to know him. More lives changed by the gospel. More people sent out to fulfill the calling that God has for their lives. Because for us, moments like that, these defining moments in time, they are meant to be milestones. Milestone moments. Milestone moments are those ones that you could look back on. It's a marker in time and you say, there it is. That's the moment. And then you move on to the next one and you can look back over time at the many milestones of your faith and of your journey with God. But you know what happens in so many believers' lives? Those milestones end up becoming millstones. 
Do you know the purpose of a millstone is? To secure you, to keep you tethered to a, a very specific location. Jesus used that analogy when he talked about if someone would cause a little one to stumble. He said you should just tie, tie a millstone around your neck and, and plummet to the depths of the sea because you would be better off then. And what he meant is that that would be a holding factor, something to keep you in one place. And so a millstone is something that's meant to stop you right there, tether you to that moment. Too many people are living in those kinds of moments when milestones have turned into millstones and they're just hanging out there. I think there are a lot of people that say a prayer and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and then that experience just becomes the millstone for them. They just live there. And I want you to know that there is so much more God wants you to experience. There's so much more he has for you. He did not die and raise from the dead to just give you a get out of hell free card. He did that so that you could walk in a new purpose in this life. That means allow that to be the key foundational milestone and then move forward. And for some of you, you know where that next step is for you? It's baptism. It's the waters of baptism in a few weeks. In two weeks, we're going to get up together and we're going to see some people take that step forward in their faith and create another milestone moment in their lives when they said, you know what? I am a follower of Jesus and I'm committing my whole life to him. And that's such an exciting moment in time. And I want you to know that if you're re- willing to take that step, we are going to celebrate with you. So please, if you haven't yet, take that step, sign up, get uh, signed up to get baptized. We'd love to celebrate that milestone moment with you. Don't live in the millstones. Don't get stuck in the memories. Let them be what leads us forward into the great things that God has for us. Nehemiah, the people are being reminded that they have a purpose. They've received a purpose by God that goes far beyond the gates being up and the walls being restored. It's something greater than that. And finally, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time, the final thing that happens is that the world receives something. The world receives a witness. Whenever we celebrate the good things that God does, the world receives a witness as a result of it. And what that means is that our praise being lifted up impacts others around us. Look at Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43. And it says this, On that day they offered great sacrifices and they rejoiced because God had given them great joy. And even the women and children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. Could you imagine with me that there was once a place called Jerusalem and it had been burnt down with fire and the walls were destroyed and the gates were completely torn down. They were a joke. And people were there in huddled masses, afraid at every moment. And it was a great tragedy because it had been such a beautiful city at one point in time and now it was lying in ruins And you could imagine as people went there what the response was. And as people looked at Jerusalem from afar, what they sensed, hopelessness, loss, grief, tears, sadness. And then at this moment in time, as people who were far away looked at a city whose walls were rebuilt, whose gates were up, and all they could hear was rejoicing and praising God, what impact do you think that had on the nations around them? What impact do you think that has on people's lives? Because I'll tell you what, when people look around, they could look in the news, they could look on television, they could look online, they can look at the world around them, and you know what they see? Reason for sadness, reason for weeping, things that are breaking their heart, 
But when they look at the people of God, full of joy, full of praise, full of thanksgiving, they see something very different. And they say, what is the difference there? What is it that has happened to you? And that's when they have the opportunity to share about the goodness of the Lord and the great things he has done. A witness is someone that is there to testify to the truth. There's someone that comes to bear testimony of what the truth is in that moment. And when the people lifted up the name of the Lord, when they sang loudly, whenever their joy was seen, the joy of Jerusalem was seen from far off like a shining light. It was testifying to the truth of who God is, that he's a God who rebuilds hope, who rebuilds hearts, who there's nothing in this world that is too broken that he cannot redeem. And when he does redeem it, it fills the people with joy. And that joy becomes contagious. And it fills hearts and it fills lives. And it sends a very special message out to everyone who can see it. And the same is true for us, church. We are a people that have been set free, delivered, and therefore our lives should be marked with joy. That joy, that celebration, that thanksgiving should be ever on our lips. And as it is, it should have an impact on the people around us. They should notice the difference in us, the aroma of Christ on us. And when they do, it should attract them to Jesus. Are you living a life? Does your faith attract people to Jesus? Does it attract them to the difference that he has made in you? That's what happens when we begin to celebrate, step out in praise and thanksgiving, thanking him for what he has done, testifying, giving witness, becoming the proof of what God has done to change a life. And so they celebrated, people heard from far off. And I want you to know that next Sunday, we are going to just continue to parallel the story of Nehemiah. God has, in his wisdom and in his sovereignty, has time and again shown us uh, at every level how he has just brought us on this journey through Nehemiah for such a time as this. And he is paralleling our story and tying it in to Nehemiah's story. And how fitting is it then? At the, the end of this series would be the same time that we would be having a great celebration. And that that celebration will be an opportunity for us to tell the stories of all that God accomplished through us last week, to tell the stories about how God is changing lives and giving hope to people. And how fitting will it be that we will have people in this space one week from now that don't normally come to church. People who were served, people who saw the love of Christ, people who received an invitation and said, I'm gonna go and I wanna hear what they're all about. I want to know why they did what they, they saw what we did, but guess what we get to do next week? Tell them why we did what we did because of Jesus. And I'm believing that as they see that, there is no way that there won't be many that won't see what God has done, see their need for him and turn their hearts over to the Lord. Will someone believe with me for salvations next week, for people to turn their hearts and their lives over to God? Church, we have the ability to lift up praise, to share our story, to tell of the goodness of God and to attract others back to him. And so today, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to take an opportunity to just share with, with someone, with some family, with someone that you know would need to find themselves in a place like that next Sunday and invite them 
Because I'll tell you what, many of you have been talking all about what happened this last week. I know it because I looked on social media and there are hundreds of people that you're connected with that are saying, what in the world was she doing last Sunday? I thought she goes to church. What was she doing out in a field somewhere? And they're wondering the difference. They're wondering. And you could say, how easy would it be? Hey, do you want to come and hear about some exciting things that happened through my church? We have some amazing stories that we're going to be telling about ways that we are able to serve our neighbors. Tell you what, people will come to church. They will sit in a place that maybe they're afraid to normally go to church. They will come to hear things like that. And in that moment, they have an opportunity to meet Jesus. So we're going to be inviting our neighbors and we're believing for them to come. I'm asking you, would you invite someone? Would you tell someone that you've been sharing with, someone that God has put on your heart, Invite them to come and to hear those stories and to also receive an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're going to celebrate here. We're going to tell the stories. We're going to believe for God to bring people to know him. And then after this second service next week, we're going to have a great celebration out on our lawn. We're going to celebrate our community. We'll see it. They'll be invited. You'll be able to stay after, enjoy some food, enjoy some celebration and fellowship. And we're going to believe God to do a great work. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? On your way out the door, you're going to see that there are some invitation cards that you can take. And those invitation cards are one that you can hand out to someone that maybe you would invite to come be a part of next Sunday's service. What a great opportunity to introduce them to what God's doing uh, through our lives here and believing for them to come to know the Lord. But as we bow our heads and bow our hearts, I want to give one opportunity for those that are here because I'm believing even there are some of you here that are here because of what happened last week. Maybe you heard the story, maybe you were served in some way, and you've been hearing a lot about joy and peace and all these things and having God in the center of your life and you haven't ever made that decision. And today you don't have that hope, you don't have that joy. I want you to know that that's been my story and that's been many stories around you. But the reason why we could celebrate, the reason why we can sing, the reason why we can have that joy today is because we have a living relationship with a God that loves us, who has changed us, who has redeemed us, who has forgiven us of our sins. And today there's nothing, there's nothing that could separate you from his love. And today he wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you so much. And so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just sense that there's someone here that you don't have a right relationship with God. And today you know you need his forgiveness. I want you to know it's a free gift. It's a free gift that Jesus, he died on the cross 2,000 years ago for you, for your sins, so that you could be forgiven, so that you can have a new life. But you need to receive that gift and that forgiveness in your life. Don't walk around with that shame, with that guilt, with that condemnation anymore. So today, if you could hear the sound of my voice, and you know you're not right with God, but you want to say a prayer to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Right where you're at, I want you just to lift your hand high above your head so that I can pray with you. Is there anyone here? This is not a time to be embarrassed at all. It's a time that God just wants to get your full attention. He wants to get your heart. If that's you, lift your hand right above your head. Amen. If you're watching online or in any other medium, I want you to lift your hand right now. Amen. I see your hands right there. Amen. I see your hands as well. Is there anyone else? Amen. I see a lot of hands going up in this moment right now. This is a moment that God has ordained for you. He wanted to get your attention just like this today because he wants to change your life. 
Like I said, this is just the beginning of a journey, but I want you to say a prayer. And I want you to repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for saving me, for setting me free, and for giving me a brand new life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. And I commit to follow you all the days of my life from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to pray for you. Lord, just thank you so much for those that have responded to your invitation, Lord God. Lord, thank you that they are in a life-changing relationship with you. I pray every day they'll grow in it, Lord God. Every day they'll take a step forward. Every day you'll lead and guide them. And Lord, I pray that you will show them that you have a special purpose for them. And Lord God, they would live feeling the peace, feeling the purpose, feeling all the things that you desire to bring into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here, I want everyone to look up at me right now. If you said that prayer, we have a book that we would give you. It's just something for someone that's made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. We have something up here for you, but I need you to come up right as we dismiss, right as everyone's leaving. You come up here and there will be someone standing here in the front and they'll meet with you and just say, I rose my hand today. It's not to embarrass you. We want to be with you. We want to walk the journey. Don't leave without letting someone know so that we could celebrate and help you on in that journey. For the rest of us, I wanted to sing a song of celebration today. And so we're going to close out just a little bit different. I'm going to ask everyone to stand here to wait. And we're going to sing one song. We're going to sing a few choruses. It's a song that we open with. I think you are good. That we're going to go into. And here's what I love, okay? Oftentimes when we sing that first song, you're all still asleep. You're not even awake yet. Can we have a house that's filled with joy today? Can we be filled with joy, celebration, thanksgiving? Can we model exactly what God has shown us? Let's sing along with this, all right?